So let's pray, friends, as we start. On two. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word to us. Thank you, too, for peace. Help us to understand more of your calling to us to be people who are at peace, who live in peace. Amen. Amen. So, friends, um, today I have to admit to you that I struggle with bringing you this topic of peace. Not because I don't have peace, but because I don't often seem to worry or be anxious, which is kind of the opposite of peace. And I can count on one hand the times that I've woken up in the night, that is apart from when a small child wakes me up, um, and then it's usually because I'm plotting something rather than I'm worrying about a situation. So I don't feel overly qualified to talk from experience about finding God's peace. Now maybe that comes from being what they refer to as a cradle Christian, so taken to church from before I was born. Maybe it's because I knew the good news about Jesus probably before I knew how to tie my shoelaces. Maybe it's because my parents pray for me every day, and they still do even now, and not just for me but for the rest of the family. However, today I feel a little bit hemmed in by God. I wasn't on the rotor to be preaching today. It was Peter Guinness, as you've heard, and he's fresh out of hospital, and it seemed wise to find a different preacher, which, at sort of shortish notice, is me. The material we've been following over this last course of weeks uses the Bible passage we've heard this morning, and, of course, has this key verse um, within it. Peace I leave with you, says Jesus. My peace I give you... I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And yet, separately to this, I've committed us to working through John's Gospel from chapter 14 to chapter 19 on Good Friday afternoon. And the only chapter no one else has volunteered to take is chapter 14. So I'll be looking at this on Good Friday at 12 o'clock till half past 12 and then somebody else will be on, on chapter 15 at half past 12 and so on and so on through the afternoon. So I get a good half hour to lead us in prayer for reflection on that chapter this coming Friday. Why don't you make sure you join us? Then tonight, I am on the road to preach. I am supposed to be preaching on Colossians 3. And Colossians 3 includes this passage about peace. Let the peace of Christ, says Paul, rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So to cap it all, I was considered, I considered, well, shall we go with a more traditional passage for today? It is, after all, Palm Sunday. Um, This is the time in the year when we recognise that Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey uh, and all of those kind of Old Testament um, parallels with Jesus being uh, a a king who comes in peace. But the lectionary this year takes us to Luke's Gospel, Luke's Gospel's version of that triumphal entry to Jerusalem, and it includes these verses. The whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. Now joy is what we talked about last week. For all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. As Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, 
And Jesus goes on and talks about how the stones will be, um, the temple will be torn in two, and, the, and the, no, the stones will be, be taken from one on top of each other. Uh, and then goes on, uh, but all this will happen because you, Jerusalem, did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. So even had we preached on this, we'd end up thinking about peace. So as I say, I feel a little hemmed in by God. And notice with this, though, that receiving peace is partly about recognising God's coming. If only you had known on this day what would bring you peace, but you didn't know and you did not recognise the time of God's coming to you, said Jesus, about the whole city of Jerusalem. And of course Jesus then went on from there, and in most Gospels Jesus went into the temple um, and cleansed the temple from all the traders, saying that, you know, my father's house is a house of prayer. Um, So Jesus at least had peace in the midst of causing a very big local conflict. So there's questions there about what peace really is. It's not about as Trevor said, that sense of just quietness. Now here's a definition of peace which comes from the Connected Hearts material we've been looking at, and it runs like this. Peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble or hard work. It means to be in the midst of those things and still be calm in your heart. It is helpful, I think. Now, having taught about joy last week, inevitably there are some similarities between peace and joy. So, for example, they're both aspects of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So, um, hence we get Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such which says things there is no law. So, God's Spirit living in us is intended to produce the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on and so on. But both joy and peace. They're also both characteristics of the kingdom of God. Um, We looked at this verse last week, uh, Romans 14. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, and and Paul there is echoing um, his earlier teaching about, you know, eating and drinking stuff that's been... been, um, dedicated to idols or not, but he goes on, but, so effectively the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now remember that when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray that the kingdom of God, that kingdom of righteousness, peace and joy, the kingdom of God would come on earth as it is in heaven. The echoes with last week continue. Last week, I I selectively um, quoted you from the um, Christmas narrative. The start of the angel's speech to the shepherds um, ran... um, I forget how it goes now. There it is, like that. Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. But by the end of that speech, you've got the heavenly host um, appearing with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. They're even linked in that passage that we looked at from Philippians last week. Rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice. 
Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now here, it begins to show one of the differences between peace and joy. Joy is our choice in terms of our response to a command. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. It's, as it were, an order, a command. It's what we're called to do. However, the peace of God is a gift from God. And it's a gift that comes in the terms of this letter to the church at Philippi when we in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present our requests to God and the peace of God then which transcends is greater than all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus so that one of the differences between joy and peace is Joy is something that we can find, but peace is something that God gives us. It's worth noticing that most of the letters to the churches in the New Testament start with something like grace and peace to our brothers and sisters in Philippi, in Thessalonica, in, in wherever it might be to the church at Colossae, to the church at Philippi. It's either grace and peace or grace, mercy and peace. But most of the time, it's grace and peace. So these are things that come from God to the people. Notice the direction. And also notice, as an aside, about grace. We we all, I think, tend to be a little bit confused about grace. Um, I just want to echo... um, uh, I haven't got time to go into it today, but if mercy is about forgiveness, then grace is about the power of God. So the letters start with a statement of, may the power and the peace of God be with you. And the power of God is to do with the Holy Spirit that works through us into the world. So there's peace, as it were, in many aspects, many directions that we can find. So first of all, we have that offer of peace with God on account of what Jesus has done. So if you like, we're no longer enemies of God, but we can be friends with God. That sense of peace from having a relationship that works with God, that's possible because of all that we know about Jesus and Jesus dying on the cross and the, the meaning of that in terms of, of removing our sins from us and the effects of our sins. And remember, sin is S-I-N. It's about putting I, me, at the centre of my life. So, actually which then puts us at odds with putting God at the centre of our lives. So, we have that offer of peace from God on account of all that Jesus has done, and in Easter week, in Holy Week, sorry, and running up to Easter, and clearly this is um, a, a helpful and appropriate aspect to be thinking of. 
But once we've found peace with God, we're also called to be people who choose to try to live in peace with everyone. So, for example, Hebrews 12 has it, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy, because without holiness no one will see the Lord. Then make every effort to live in peace. But the two are not separate, to my mind, because actually, as we discover the peace that we have in terms of our relationship with God, so we want, surely, to be people who live at at peace with those around us. So, for example, the um, Ephesians 2 has it like this. This is Paul again writing to the church at Ephesus. Um, Well, and and the wider region, probably. Um, Need some context here. The first part of chapter 2, Paul's been talking about um, Jews and Gentiles and how... um, there was hostility between the two groups uh, and then this is what happens in Jesus is this for he that's Christ himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and, and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations Christ's purpose then was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two thus making peace. And in one body, that's Christ's body, dying on the cross, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who went far away, and those who were near. For through him we have both have access to the Father by one spirit. So, part of what's happening here is that Paul is highlighting that actually as we discover the peace of God and live that out in terms of our relationship with God, we also need to live that out in terms of our relationship with each other. So that's, so there's peace with each other and you know, when you come to think about it, even secular work consultants would suggest that a time of quiet, of meditation each morning is helpful as a way of finding inner peace and calmness. So um, I discovered this in my notes one day. Um, it's, you can't really see it. It says in the middle there, how to focus in the age of distraction. Um, and it's quite a distracting diagram, but never mind. Um, so there's um, taking a digital technology detox, there's managing space, how to work, creating rituals uh, or habits, managing email, take time to reflect and review, and help for addicts. And... If we zoom in on the top right-hand corner, part of that stuff about managing the workspace, uh, the, uh, creating habits, includes time to meditate. Now, meditation in terms of being quiet, being calm, yes, I'm with meditation in terms of sort of emptying your mind isn't really quite where I'm at. But we can meditate as Christians in terms of prayer and chewing on a particular piece of scripture, a particular verse from the Bible, a particular concept. And actually, even the least God-focused consultants are saying it's good to take time to be quiet every day. Oh, look, what's the church been saying for years? Anyway, um, I think beyond that, though, as well as peace with God, peace with people, we're called to live in peace with the whole of creation. And um, 
Here it feels a little more nebulous. Let me give you some background here. For eight years or so, I was a vicar in London, and every day I worked out of a particular church known as All Saints, um, and it had a stained glass window in it, which had moments of batteredness and other moments. Let's show you the first picture. Um, this, this gives you a, it's a, it's a, a good view, I hope, of the colour scheme um, and, and to be able to see that it's, it's smallish panes of glass, uh, sort of 1950s um, um, frames that have been had stained glass put into them. So in a minute when you see a very dark set of horizontal and vertical lines, that's to be ignored. It's the picture itself that's of interest. And um, for me it's an illustration of um, the, the, the passage from 2 Corinthians 5 where Paul talks about God through Christ reconciling us to himself, but also the whole of creation. Uh, Let me read you that passage. Here it comes. (coughs) Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So let me show you a picture of the whole of that um, uh, frame. Gosh, it's come out really quite bright. Okay, that's the way it goes. It wasn't the best of pictures to start with. Um, Is there any chance you can make the brightness a little less? Or is that a bit too stressful? Okay, let's see how we get on. Um, You probably can't quite see it, but there's there's three purpley circles. You probably see the outer one. And the middle one, and then the inner one is quite hard to see, but it only happens in the middle frame, middle section of frame. Um, that frame. Um, and you, you can't really see it, but never mind. So the three circles are intended to represent something about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then you've got a, a purpley um, kind of thing in the middle, which is... A, a set of arms outstretched um, and you could take that to be Christ on the cross reconciling the world to himself and then sort of at the bottom you've got what we affectionately call the banana man um, sort of resting in the outstretched arms of Jesus um, it's really hard to see. I'm really sorry about this, but 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 this is a, a picture I, I'm or, or a set of stained glass I looked at every day for eight years, and um, there is this real sense that that person in the middle there it represents something about somebody who's found the peace of Christ, even though the crucifixion. It's clearly the most awful way to die. There's a sense of peace that comes because in Jesus dying, we can, have, we can be reconciled to God. 
And the other thing that really intrigues me about this picture, this, this stained glass image, is that there's... Um, there's, there's, a, there, there's God leaks out, if you, as it were, into the world. So, for example, down here, where I can reach, um, there's a kind of pair of lines here that, that show something of, the, of God's reconciling coming out into the world too. Um, and it's... it's um, there's, there's lots of theological questions for me about it. You know, how is it that the world seems to be outside of God and God's contained by the world? And how is it you get, you know, both Christ in terms of one of the elements of the Trinity, but also Christ's arms outstretched? But don't worry about the detail. Just take in that sense of, of reconciliation with the world that's possible. Um, let's move on then, if we can. Um, the other way I feel hemmed in this week is that yesterday, no, Friday, we um, had a chance for a bit of a day out, and um, I've been reading lots of other books, and I decided I'd pick up this book. Um, it has a tag in it that says, Martin, for your support and continuing tolerance, Sharon and Graham, um, Copestake. And... Um, hadn't really kind of reviewed what the content was. I hadn't chosen to purchase it. But it transpires that a third of this book is about peace. Um, Gerard Hughes um, famously wrote a book called God of Surprises. And um, I, I want to read to you some of his, his just a few words of what he's written. Um, because actually for me, his view about peace as about relationships of truth, I think is quite um, challenging for us all. Let me read you stuff about his view of God to start with, as to warm you up to this. Um, he writes, God is. No human categories can adequately describe God, who is always greater. God in whom all creation has its being the ground of all being, who pervades all things, who permeates all things, binds all things in unity, but is bound by nothing. There is no place, no situation where God is not, no place where we can find, where we can escape from God. Although we can never definitely state who God is and what God is like, irrepressible is a useful word. God cannot be kept out, even by the most earnest and popular atheists. So some words about peace. Um, this is some summary statements that he makes, which um, obviously are unpacked for hundreds of pages beyond that. Um, peace, he writes, is a way of life which affects every aspect and every moment our understanding of peace and of the way that leads to peace can only develop insofar as we are trying to live at peace with ourselves, with our circumstances, and with all those we encounter, however impossible we find them to be. Peace, then, he writes, is far deeper than contentment. Yes, it's possible to live in contentment with a modest fortune of stolen goods. Peace cannot, though, be found within well-defended towers of ivory, for it is essentially a quality of relationship 
with all creation under all circumstances, including conflict. Peace, let me read that again, a quality of relationship with all creation under all circumstances, which includes creation, uh, which includes conflict. More challenging statements. Peace, in spite of our protestations of being dedicated to it, is a state against which we defend ourselves with verbal smokescreens and subtle reasoning. So subtle that we deceive ourselves, preferring violence and yet calling it peace. Uh, That's something I want to push on a minute. Peace permeates all things, all circumstances, all hearts even the most obdurate of hearts. Peace is inseparable from her sister, Truth. That is why we find her so elusive. So, peace and relationships of truth. I'm going to take a risk and show you a video It's a video from a TV show called Mr. Robot. It's a US psychological thriller. Um, Not normal genre for me, but um, there's one word in the video that you probably won't approve of, but just bear with me on that one. Um, But it helps to see how dissatisfied many people are with life as it is. And I think it raises in a, a question in my head about how deep our piece is. It's only a minute long, so let's see this now. What is it about society that disappoints you so much? Isn't that what collectively thought Steve Jobs was a great man, even when he knew he made billions off the backs of children? Or maybe it's that it feels like all our heroes are counterfeit. The world itself's just one big hoax spamming each other with our burning commentary bullshit masquerading as insight our social media faking as intimacy is it that we voted for this not with our rigged elections but with our things our property our money I'm not saying anything we all know why we do this not because hunger games both makes us happy but because we want to be sedated because it's painful not to pretend because we're cowards Now, you might not be reading the book of the Hunger Games, but for many of us, I wonder how we choose to pretend, how we choose to be sedated, how we choose to effectively hide from this awesome, all-pervading God. Because it's too nebulous, too difficult to live at peace with all things. How about this week? We actually choose to follow through on that biblical advice, to bring all our burdens to Jesus. Or even the more basic thing of be still and know that I am God. Perhaps, perhaps we need to find ourselves in being with God, 
as distinct to doing, even if it's doing for God. Yes, maybe today it's a case of physician, heal thyself. And if this bit is only for me, then do forgive me. So do we forgo the deep peace of God because we can't cope with the silence, the stillness before God? Have we, as Pink Floyd suggested, become comfortably numb in the way we live? Verse 2 of that song runs a bit like this. When I was a child, I caught a fleeting glimpse out of the corner of my eye. I turned to look, but it was gone. I cannot put my finger on it now. The child has grown, the dream is gone. But I have become comfortably numb. To end on a more positive note, let's take in Jesus' words to the woman who had been bleeding for many years. He said to her, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed. There is something totally life-transforming about an encounter with Jesus. An encounter that's on offer to all of us if only we stop and be with him. This is how Paul ended his letter to the church at Thessalonica. And I think it's good for us too. He writes, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. At all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Yours, Paul. Well, it was a couple more verses, but effectively yours, Paul. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace. Many of you would remember Sally Tucker. And um, she was quite prescriptive about how her funeral would run. And um, I bumped again into the blessing that she asked us to use um, at the end of her funeral. And I'm going to use that this morning. It runs like this. Deep peace of the running waves to you. Deep peace of the flowing air to you. Deep peace of the quiet earth to you. Deep peace of the shining stars to you. And the deep peace of the sun of peace be always with you. Amen.